are now listening to Cult Cinema Catacombs. These films exist. Judy Ditch's butthole. I want to see this movie. It. <laughs> it's this one. I want to see the butthole that ruined Idris Elba's career. <laughs> well, we were not going to see that this month, but we'll see that in March. So, Can't wait. Um, hello, folks. Welcome to Cult Cinema Catacombs and our third uh, unconventional musical. Uh, now, if you haven't figured it out by us talking about cat asses, um, we were supposed to do cats this month, but I've decided that we went through a lot of hell in January that we needed a, a little bit of orbay to cleanse the palate until Listen, we get into the what the fuckery that is March. I like Andy that. Andy has been so kind to us. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> Just on publicly, I want to make sure that you are appreciated loudly. Well, a- a- Andy gave us the break between the bullshit. In he really January. did. <laughs> I don't really understand did. why you think it's going to be a problem to watch Cats. I don't think you. I don't understand why you think I'm going to have a problem. Like, like it's like, and the screaming starts, but it's Cats. Well, plus all there's so much Taylor Swift going on already in the month of February that we're gonna we're we're gonna we're just gonna keep her to the Super Bowl and yeah, let, let them her stay deal, there and, and and let sports ball deal with it. Spe- speaking of sports ball, before we get to our movie this month, oh my I, God, we're gonna talk about sports again? No, we're not gonna talk Jeez. about sports. We're gonna talk about the commercials that come between oh. the sports. Oh yeah, I think, oh. I think I sent you to the link. They got fucking Tommy Wiseau for for a Super Bowl commercial, and I watched the commercial and it's very it's it's hilarious. It's very self aware. He's very self aware in it. Um, it's for some sort of an internet uh, encryption company, <laughs> and what I love the most about it is is that because of people make fun of the way that he talks, they purposely put subtitles in the commercial, and the subtitles are in the font for the logo of the room. That's fun. Yeah. I like that. And somebody it's with like, a lot of love made that commercial thing. Yeah. Somebody yes. somebody that loves Tommy. Tommy was so. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, how much money did they pay Tommy was so to be in a Super Bowl commercial? And how dare they find a way to get Tommy was so to appear in the Super Bowl? <laughs> I'm like, what well, he's in a well Roy. That's all there is to it. None of this is real. <laughs> He's known for decades. This is where his life was going to go. He's in a different dimension than the rest of us. Yeah, he, he, he's playing 8D chess, and he has been. I, I, I'm convinced he's the real-life Mr. Mixelpick. That's, that's what I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh. He's on a different level. He's playing a different yeah. game than you he's or I. He's, he's, he's from the fifth dimension, and... We have we have to you get Tommy. Shit, we can't, man. Yeah, we got Tommy Wiseau to say his name backwards, and it'll go back. That's 
it's true. Hey guys, <laughs> I have been using my notes app on my phone a oh, lot more, which you. is problem which is problematic for you two. Um, because I wrote this <laughs> down at some point and I just wanted to ask it now that I have you both here. Um, and this is what I wrote. And I don't know when. I have no recollection of writing it, but this is a question that I have for you two. It has nothing to do with any movie that we're doing. It has oh, nothing no. to do with anything. Oh, this, oh, is a, this is a pop quiz. You're getting me back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is a pop quiz of sorts. Um, do you guys know, has anyone tried to stuff a crust on a pizza with hot dogs? Honestly, probably. Let me give it a Google. Yeah, give it a Google. That's just something I wrote down, wanted to cover with you both. I forgot about it in the first parts of the other ones, but then I remembered it, so I wanted that to That sounds add. like something Pizza Hut would do, honestly. Bingo, bingo. Pizza Hut's done it. Have they? It's it, it's not the way you're originally <laughs> imagining it. It's not like one long hot dog in a circle. <laughs> it's like a bunch of pigs in blankets. I feel like... We're, uh, we're, I feel like we're approaching or we're really close to that scene where they figure out middle out compression in Silicon Valley. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I feel like we need a lot of whiteboards and a lot of time so that we can figure out how um, how they got hot dogs into a stuffed crust. Hey, Papa yeah. John, want to get your business back up? Yeah, in fuck 2015. Con- Don't try to fucking out Pizza the Hut. How many have tried and failed? A lot of people actually. Hi, welcome to Weird Food. This is a podcast within a podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's it's three deep. We're three deep at this point yeah, in podcasts. Uh, this is John's Inception. Papa, Papa John's is worried about stuffing ricotta into their stuffed pizza. No, they need to be putting fucking Oscar Mayer in there. Yeah, get in they need there. To be jamming it in there. No, apparently, Jam 2015 it. was the year of the hot dog stuffed pizza. Pizza Hut had one. Domino's had Senior one. It was, came out? It, it was a it was a thing. All right. Okay. Uh, apparently, the, the, also the, the, last the, year on uh, Reddit r slash pizza crimes. God damn it. My dad. It might be the first time that Facebook. Reddit in the five years we've been doing this show. That might be the first time Reddit has been referenced on this. That's on shocking. This <laughs> I'm not kidding. You know what? I'm surprised Little Caesars hasn't done it. Yeah, because they did that. They did that weird taco like crust thing that was going on for a while. The bat wing thing or whatever. The oh, hell that it thing was, was terrible Jesus. looking. The flying squirrel. <laughs> yeah. Kind yeah, of, the, yeah. The it's a pizza with a calzone attached to it. Yeah. Here I've got for you. A year <laughs> it's ago. a vestigial calzone. <laughs> yes. R slash uh, pizza crimes one year ago. My dad posted this on Facebook, and at first it sounded good until I realized that a hot dog was stuffed in the crust and not cheese. And it's a photograph of Mike Mitchell's stuffed crust pizza Tex-Mex flavor. Who's Mike Mitchell? Oh. I have no idea who Mike Mitchell is. Is he somebody that, like, makes food, or is he just the guy, like, the guy's dad? Well, it seems to be a German thing here, oh, which makes no. slightly more sense. Oh no! Okay, in in the in the UK in the UK. <laughs> God, I'm so proud of myself UK, right now. In the UK, Pizza Hut did indeed have a hot dog stuffed cre- crust pizza. Creepy crust and here, pizza. Creepy crust. Here, here, here is the description. I'm gonna have to send the photo to you guys after the show. I can't also. wait. Drop it in the chat, man. It is hot dog stuffed crust, and the description is succulent hot dog no, stuffed no. crust. Already out. 
<laughs> with a free mustard drizzle. Oh, they're not charging for it? That's nice of them. Mm. <laughs> that's good so God. yes well i'm sorry yeah. that i thought in, about it in, how about in that in the uk they did do indeed do it and here comes on our phone chat right now there in blazing glory is the words succulent hot dog uh, for oh you can we get a shirt oh boy can we get a shirt <laughs> succulent hot dog i'm adding it to the merch store damn it yep, put it put it in the merch notes succulent okay. hot dog merch succulent store coming dog. at some point uh. <laughs> succulent hot, the hot dog stuffed crust pizza so since you're doing that i'm gonna put this image into our chat as well with this german dog stuff yeah hot dog stuffed crust look at that see stuffed. the idea of of, of german stuffed scares me just yeah those two i don't words. want to even start to talk about you're afraid of the german, german phrase mit hot dog Würstchen im Rhein? yeah yes, I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what of course what are you talking about <laughs> of, course of course i, I am that. listen to yourself say it it's hot dog <laughs> it sounds like a threat <laughs> That's something that the Thule Society thought up when they were looking for the spirit of goddamn destiny. Yes. Mangala came up with that hot dog stuff. Thanks, thanks, to, thanks to me reading that outlaw, Dagon is coming back. Yeah. I, I'm convinced. Oh, no. Hey, by the way, I, I found no issues with suitable flesh. I thought it was good. But then again, I have a huge crush on uh, Heather Graham. I have. There. Forever. So... <laughs> Oh my God, you guys! I am sorry. I apologize for thinking the thought. That's yeah, what's I on mean, me. listen, oh. you did this. I did. Well, it. I, I mean, last I month, last month we had Jesse McCarty. This month we have hot dog stuffed pizza. So why I, not? Who, I can't. Who, 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 I can't ever month. top. I can't ever top figuring out that uh, that 2012 coast. <laughs> I can never top that. I can never top what John Carter did for us as a, as, a, as, a, as he humanity. He saved us. He saved us. We just we owe that we owe that movie so much. Okay, Roy, what the fuck are we watching? <laughs> yeah, we haven't even talked about it yet. So we're watching a film. We're actually watching a prestigious movie uh, for for this episode. So we are. Again, we don't always purposely watch crap on this show. We're Sometimes watching the whole month is good. Yeah. We're watching a movie that was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um and, and also features some really questionable facial hair. <laughs> just gonna yes. say that. That's just um, the nature of the beast with this movie. We we are watching our first ever product of Bob Fosse on oh this show. God. Yay! On this show. Thank you for clarifying, because I have watched a lot of products from Bob Fosse <laughs> in my life. Uh, this movie is also in the Library of Congress. It is preserved for all eternity uh, because they consider it a, a culturally significant film. Um, we are going to be watching 1979 All That Jazz, yes. starring, uh, starring Roy Scheider. Hey, I'm so happy. basically, basically Bob Fosse is. Do um, we know if Jaws is enshrined in the Library of Congress or just oh, yes, this movie? Is. 
Oh yeah, no. Uh, of the of the Roy Schneider movies that are in the Library of Congress, it's this one, Sorcerer, and all, and Jaws. Because what I would have hated as a person would be for anybody 200 years from now to wonder what Roy Scheider looked like and to get him from this movie alone. That's fair. That Cause he does not look like him in this. No, he looks <laughs> like no, a, I mean, they were evil try- version of himself in this movie. They were trying so hard to give him Bob Fosse's face hair and it just didn't. I don't or, I'm no one, with face hair. If that's not in your genes, you can't physically no. do it. It's not possible. It's not. So so here's this cast. Here's this phenomenal cast in this movie. So, so we, have Roy, we have Roy Scheider as Joe Gideon, who is basically a synonym for because I mean, totally this movie not is semi Bob Fosse. Yeah, yeah, not at all Bob Fosse. Because this movie is semi autobiographical. I mean, Bob Fosse said that he was inspired by this movie when he had a heart he had his own heart attack and it suddenly got his mind thinking while he was in the hospital. So he came up with this movie that is such a wonderful, uplifting movie. Isn't it though? <laughs> Uh, we have uh, Leila Palmer as Audrey Paris, who is basically um, – oh, why am I forgetting her name? Um, God, the awesome dancer that she was that used to be married to Bob Fosse. Oh, um, uh, Vernon. Leslie Vernon. Yes, Gwen Vernon. Basically Gwen. playing Gwen yeah. Vernon. Totally not Gwen Vernon. No, uh, not Anne at all. Rankin, Anne Ranking as Kate Jagger, who's basically playing Anne Ranking in this movie. Yeah, again, totally not Anne Ranking. Uh, ben Vereen as O'Connor Flood, Ugh. a television host, basically playing Ben Vereen in yeah. this movie. So good. Ben Vereen's so good in this movie. And then in the role of Angelique, the angel of death. In <laughs> yes. only That's in this movie. My queen. Uh, yeah. Uh, and this is uh, what is amazing about this is this is only her second movie that she was in. Was it this originally? Is, yeah. Jessica Lange. Her, oh her first film, her first film prior to this was the remake of King Kong. That was her first really? film. Really? Yeah. That was her first it, movie. That was her first movie oh, was shit. King Kong. All right. And then she, and then she, after she's done playing, you know, the love interest of King Kong, she turns around and is like, okay, I'm going to be the angel of death. Got it. <laughs> in a musical. So, Freaking so crushed it, it too. God, I love this movie. I'm so happy you switched because like. My God, I love this movie so much. So who did it better, Rockwell or Scheidner? That's a hard question. Ooh, because Gwen, because Fosse Vernon was fucking good ass. Yeah. Really good. I it's, it hard to, it's hard to say because, I mean, they both did an excellent job. Um as 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 Bob Fosse, I mean, they, they they both pretty much nailed it. And the same when it comes to um, Shell Williams and Leland Palmer. I mean, they yeah. both nailed oh, oh. Uh, Gwen Vernon. I don't know, Michelle well, Williams just but, wrecked that role. Like she was really good. She yeah. was born to play that role. I mean, I didn't think she looks like I mean, her. When, yeah, she looks like her. She, she moves like her. her. Like shit. Um, yeah, when I first heard she was playing that role, I was just like, ooh, that's a challenging role. Is she going to do it? And I'm like, gosh, she hit it out of yeah. the park. And, Turns out, yeah. yeah. That that miniseries or whatever you want to refer to it as. I don't know what we call it on streaming. Still living in TV world. That um, <laughs> whatever you want to call it did not get enough acclaim because it was way better and not enough people talked about it. I agree. And I, I agree. I recognize that I have a soft spot for Sam Rockwell in general. Oh, yeah. 
I love him in absolutely everything. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is another one of my favorite movies. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. But Rockwell. I will watch even the terrible things he's in. I love Iron Man too. I love it. Oh, it's a great movie because Rockwell's in it. Because he's in it and yep. he's so good in it. And the thing about Rockwell, gonna, probably, him and the soundtrack are probably going to be the only saving graces of Argyle since mm-hmm. that's like getting just ripped apart by the critics right now. I'm just so like, the, God, I'll still watch it and I'll yeah. be happy to do it. My favorite Rockwell fact, and I know that I'm not I know this isn't new information, is that in every contract he signs to do a movie, he he it's in the contract that he, he gets to dance. And that is fantastic. So any movie that has Sam Rockwell, regardless of what it is and, and how it pertains to the film, he is going to be acting in that movie, or he's going to be dancing in that he movie. He will itself. dance, it's which so was good. kind of which good was kind, or bad, which was kind will. of odd for Poltergeist remake. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> uh, but um, at the same time, though, it fit for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because. Well, Zaphod, that's just the type of character Zaphod is, you know. I don't but. know. True. I'm guessing you guys didn't because the moratorium and all. But in the in in one of the episodes of the new the animated uh, What If Marvel show, Justin Hammer's in it, so it's his voice. And they make Heck that yes. and they make that animated character dance. <laughs> of course they do. And I was of like, course that they is do. Wonderful. It's because Thank his you. dance is Hammer is so iconic and weird and bad and awesome. <laughs> I like that this this episode just became about um, Sam Rockwell. But the Sam Rockwell Appreciation Club. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. We love you, Sam. Hey, Sam, come on the show. Sam, hey, Sam, come on the show. Hey, Sam, come on the show, Sam. He was per- I, I mean, he was perfect as Chuck Bears. I mean, when I heard he was playing Chuck Bears, I was like, even though the story's bullshit, I was like, you know what? It, he's going to make a great story. Chuck Bears. I watched that movie cold. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it's so weird because it's like when he wrote the autobiography and he swore up and down by it and then the movie was made and then he came out and he's like, okay, I may have lied. And then on his deathbed, he was like, okay, maybe some of it is true. And I'm just like, come on, Chuck. Sir. You make up your mind. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. So what else do we need to know about this movie? We're going to pretend that we haven't seen it a thousand times each. What are we doing? I love it. I don't care. I don't care how well, many times I, any of this, us have seen it. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it with my friends. So here's the story I alluded to when I was in high school. I, oh, yes. Um, story oh, yes. with yes. Uncle Oh, yes. So when I was in high school, I was in every production of everything we could possibly be in productions of, as I'm sure everyone's shocked to hear that. I'm sure it's... <gasps> Yeah, there's a gas um, And I watched at like ninth grade. I watched um well, I watched this, first of all, but I also watched like anything having to do with like Liza Minnelli and uh, you know, all all things having to do with that kind of phase of musical theater. <laughs> and I know that Roy have correctly told me that all that jazz, the song is not at all that jazz, which yeah, is... so if you guys are expecting for, you know, a little moment that's a tribute to Chicago in this movie, well, yeah. uh, it's flashed. In a way. Well, kind of, in a way, but it, in if a very Chicago different way. In an airport. <laughs> and had lots of titties. Um, <laughs> but, but there was a period of time in high school 
where I, in every room I would walk into, and I would wait for the beat, right? I would give it a beat. I would walk into a room. I would stop in the doorway. I would give it a one and a two. And then I'd go, and all that jazz. And I would do it in eight periods a day, lunchroom. Didn't matter what was happening. I was, I was doing it. It got to the point where the principal of the school had to go to the theater director, who is also the literature teacher and, and newspaper teacher. And Mr. Wayne Dunn had to sit me down after school and be like, you can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're, it is. Other people are doing it. <laughs> it is such a distraction. And other people are He started a bit, a school wide bit. And ever and 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 the people that um and and your compatriots in, in in show choir and in theater they're doing it now. So we've got like seven people by eight periods doing all that jazz. Which in means every we're room. hearing all that jazz <laughs> 115 <laughs> times a day. Bill Lindauer has to hear the words "all that jazz" 17 times in one day in his classroom. You've got to stop. I can't. You got, so I had to stop walking into every room and saying, and all that jazz. But You're just embracing your inner Chita Rivera. May she rest in peace. Yeah. May she rest. And I stopped and completely forgot after my, how long? Goddamn, since that, uh, 30 years, 30 years since that happened, I had put that completely out of my memory. And then Roy wrote us and said, we're doing all that jazz. And immediately in my brain, I went, and all that jazz. And it's over now. That's all that lives in my head now. It's the Manchurian candidate. You, unlocked, what it is. you did. You did the thing. You unlocked my, you, you, that was my code. <laughs> and now I, and now I can't not do it. And then so another thanks, week. Roy. I'm going to get a very serious phone call from your wife. That's like, you've got to talk to him. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to say from the rooms. state and that would have been fine too. Like you're going to, you, after we're done recording, you're going to go into the living room and an evil Angela Lansbury is going to be sitting there discussing what your next steps are going to be now that you have been awoken. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> no, you'll get a call from the state. Um, is this Courtney and Roy? Yeah, uh, this was what he listed on his contact when we admitted him. He's he grown, he's grown a little hell away from me. A little, he has grown a little pointy goatee. He'll only wear black turtlenecks, and he only responds to questions with "and all that jazz." Hello, is this Courtney? Stripe a glitter off of his chest, and he won't do it. We get this call and it's going to be like, hello, yes, uh, Courtney and Roy. Uh, this is Mike DeWin, the governor of Ohio. Uh, we we have questions that we need to ask about um, all that jazz. <laughs> and I won't be able to answer because I'll be too busy going. Yeah. Yeah, you will. <laughs> You're going to be sitting uh, youth pastor style in a chair. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. He's holed up in a high school auditorium with 45 middle-aged men, all in like weird black lederhosen and net stockings. I don't know what's happening, but he said that you were the only people that could talk him down. He keeps asking for Dulé Hill. He says it's the closest thing we've got to Ben Vereen at the time. <laughs> we couldn't, We for some reason, we couldn't reach Gregory Hines. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> a lot harder to get hold of than you'd hey, think. The news, the news hasn't reached Ohio yet. Just let them. Yeah. We have time. We have I the amount like of time the fact... it takes to watch all that jazz. What's, I do what's like going to happen that... is. What's going to happen is, is he's going to try to talk to Andy and he, they're going to ask him a question. Instead, he's going to go, you have to understand the way I am. Mine head a tiger is a tiger. You know, it's yep. Almost... Yep. <laughs> at some point, apropos of nothing, because this is another thing that I used to do. I'm going to break into by mere beast Duchesne. Um, I'm just going to do it now. You've unlocked parts of me that I lost. My pretentious musical theater parts are now back. I love but it. I'm on Libra. I was like Tommy Lee Jones. I was like Tommy Lee Jones in what was the sequel to The Fugitive, where he's living on that mountain, and uh, they come back like, "We need you for one last job." He's like, "God damn it, I can't do it again." Now I'm back. Come the back. John Bick, come back to the, the musical, theater musical theater fold. Oh, Gotta get it. you watching Schmigadoon next. Really lock I've that watched, shit in. Hey, I've I've watched the first season of Schmigadoon. Thank the you. The second much. season is all of this shit right here. Oh my god. <laughs> right in your Q zone, buddy. Oh my god. <laughs> have you been Have you been looking at my Sephora account again, bitch? Yes. Um, always. I'm just doing it to make sure you're okay, buddy. I do like the half hour we spent this week trying to figure out if um, uh, Winston from New Girl was also the son of Ben Vereen. <laughs> we did spend a lot of time on that. He we didn't worked. believe we didn't believe the first entry on Google. We were like, fuck that. We're going deep. Well, we needed a primary source to tell us no, they're not related. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. And all that jazz. That's gonna be can you put that in like the Batman stinger now? Like, yeah. <laughs> every episode. Oh, I love oh, it. I hate it so God. much. I can't wait to watch this movie and talk about it with you guys. Well, then let's go to it. Let's go get let's go get our Fosse on. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back, folks, after we watch it. All that. That has that. a getting your Fosse on has a different meaning in this house than I think you think it does. <laughs> Candy Casey, very good. You're going to do it again, Victoria. Stop smiling. It's not the high school play. Count. Oh, five, six, seven, eight. One. All that work. Stand on your right foot. Point your left toe. Drop that shoulder. All that pain. Oh, that's too hard, is it? Oh, boy, do I hate show business. All that glitter. jokes is what I need. Joe, you, know, you love show business. That's right, I love show business. All that love. I'll go either way. It's showtime, folks. All that jazz. Fun Seekers, 
Are you looking for cinema that is absolutely 100% independently made, but also extremely unique and outside of the box? Well, look no further than Troma Pictures and the Troma Now streaming service. Watch.troma.com is your home for everything from Lloyd Kaufman and his band of very fun individuals. Everything from the Toxic Avenger and beyond at your fingertips. Only $4.99 a month, but your first 30 days are free. Did I say free? Yes, they're free. So what are you waiting for? Go to watch.troma.com and sign up. Also available on your Apple and Android devices, on the Roku stick, and also on the Fire Stick. Let's get freaky. Yeah, we're grown ups. Oh my God, we're 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 getting okay. serious now. We're Adult. talking about an art film here. I mean, is this our first time we're talking about a movie that's in the actual film registry as you know being an important piece of cinema? This one's important, you guys. Um, here's, here's it's here's Repo the, Man in the film. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I want to I, I want to touch on this. And, and Courtney, you were talking about you know this also when it comes to the year 1979 and everything when this film came out. This movie was nominated for Best Picture, and it was up against like Apocalypse Now and um, oh god, I forgot what else it was up against. Um, but let's uh, see here. We right got here. it was up so against so many things. It was up against, let's go to 1980 here. So it was up against. The Jerk also came out in 1979. Not exactly important. Not not exactly, you know, in the same vein as this, but. um, Beautiful movie. Alien came out the same year. So Uh, did. uh, The Vincent Price Dracula came out this year. um, The Muppet movie came out this year. The Muppet movie. Uh, so this movie was nominated up against. Um, so it was it was nominated. The Warriors also 1979. Yep. <laughs> uh, Caligula. So so this movie was nominated against Apocalypse Now. Norma Ray. Uh, one of the best coming of ages movies i've ever seen breaking away if you've never seen it you have to see it so you got these four powerful movies you got all that jazz apocalypse now breaking away normal way and who do they give the oscar to the divorce movie kramer versus kramer have i told y'all that there's a scene of me doing kramer versus kramer from when i was in college (laughs) are you i did it for somebody's film portfolio are, are you doing the scene where Meryl Streep just sits there and cries trying to defend? No, it's not even one of the good ones. Song. It's it's the like doorstep scene where they're on either side of the doorway. Yeah. It's the public domain scene from Kramer yeah, versus it's not Kramer. Even that good. See, what drives me nuts about Kramer versus Kramer is because like I watched it and I'm like, why did this win Best Picture? Because it's so frustrating for me to see that he, he you know despite the scene when the kid falls and cracks his head open um and he's like running to the hospital like my baby my baby um she absolutely did not deserve custody of that child whatsoever because she's such a cunt she was the bad guy she's such a cunt it's like she 
she decides I'm going to abandon the child in your hands and run off to California and live my life like she's a fucking cuckoo bird or something. Yeah. <laughs> then she yes, I agree. It was, it was, it was like it was, it was like the human version of Horton hatches an egg <laughs> uh, for me basically. And yeah, you know, okay. and then wow. she, she comes back and she's just like, "I'm the mom. I'm taking your child." And she wins the and everything. And I'm like. Fuck you! You're a bitch. You don't. You're, you're a deadbeat mother. You don't deserve this child. It's just such a frustrating thing, especially like I said, when you think about, you know, not only the film that we're about to talk about, but I'm sitting there and going, "Did you not see Norma Ray? Yeah. This movie's still so good. Well, this movie's still fucking relevant forty years later." I'm Courtney, I mean, and I've never seen anything, and I saw Norma Ray, and it's fantastic. <laughs> that's on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, this is a this a, is a wild thing. It's every twenty years, the ninth year of the odd numbered decades are all incredible for movies. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it it, it I I it, it it definitely is because I mean you've got nineteen seventy nine, then you got nineteen eighty nine, then you got ni- no, well nineteen ninety nine just one hell of outrageous movies. Yeah, Andy, did you look at some of those? Yeah, I like how um, – I want to say this. I like how organic that was, but if we weren't going to do this, I, I was going to say I, I researched all this for nothing. So you guys did a great job of transitioning into uh, this bit. I appreciate it. I did this it. for you because I love you. <laughs> I mean I, – I mean, Keep behind quick, the curtain, bitches. I mean, quick, <laughs> I mean, quick look at 1989 before we get to 1999. Yeah, and that's not even – that's 10 years later. That's not even yeah. the 20 years. Like, it's really 19, crazy. Yeah, 1989, we had Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. We had Batman. We had Back to the Future Part Two, Dead Poet Society, Little Mermaid, Lethal Weapon 2, Ghostbusters 2, Born on the Fourth of July. Unfortunately, look who's talking. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, the Fabulous Baker Boys, Driving Miss Daisy, Do the Right Thing, When Harry Met Sally. I mean – Cinema it goes Parad- on and on. Cinema Paradiso, one of my all-time favorite movies. I mean, fuck. <laughs> Steel Magnolias, Glory. Yeah. I mean, my my fucking left foot. I mean, it just was just an amazing year. And then, yeah, we get to 1999. You know, left foot did like, that in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> 1999 well, is all of a sudden like we're going to, I mean, with the exception of American Beauty, we're going to make sure that these films stand the test of time. Well, so 99, because I did the research on 99. Green Mile, Mm -hmm. Sixth Sense, Mm -hmm. Girl Interrupted. Now, these are just the movies that had the most artistic value. Right. (laughs) Right? These are just what these are. Green Mile, Sixth Sense, Girl Interrupted, The Blair Witch Project, Mm -hmm. The Iron Giant, Mm -hmm. Being John Malkovich, Magnolia. Boys Don't Cry, Jim Jarmusch's Ghost Dog. Like, that's just nothing. Because mm-hmm. Toy Story and Tarzan came out that year. Yes. Yep. I think the first Matrix movie was also in 99. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Oh, the, yeah, you um, got that on you? That, the movie that made a lot of people in America realize they were bisexual, The Mummy. The Mummy. The Mummy. Runaway Bride. Big Daddy for the value of Big Daddy, but Big Daddy made $163 I mean, million dollars in 1999. <laughs> Notting Hill. Star Wars Episode One. By the way, Lisa Frankenstein makes a great callback to Notting Hill in, at the end of the movie. 
And um, Austin Goddamn Powers. Yeah, The Spy Who Shagged Me came out that year. Crazy movies. Now, um, go I, ahead, yeah. I do want to say this about 1999, because I was tasked with looking into 1999. I now have a thesis. I'm so excited. I wanted this to happen. Is the year that destroyed a certain, I'm going to say. Oh, Andy, you forgot a movie, Talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah, yeah. Just don't I think that fits t- perfectly into what I think your thesis is about. To don't be. forget kind the of. fucking talented Mr. Ripley there. I mean, so the movie that inspired range, Tommy was so. Yeah, well, an, an age range, a certain age range of men, 1999 destroyed them. And I can draw, I think I can draw a direct line to Andrew Tate, the Manosphere, QAnon, and every grifter that's on Twitter right now. Because wow. 1999. 1999 had four movies in it, now five with Talented Mr. Ripley, but four movies in it that, and I don't know if this has ever happened before outside of something like Star Wars or Star Trek, um, that men made their entire identities out of in a very problematic way. That's interesting. And I think the movies were benign enough. It's but, not the movie's fault, but it's the way that people watched the movie. Yes. So, so is, is American Beauty one of those movies? It's not. So be, thank God, because thank I don't God, think a lot of the same because, men watched American beauties that watched the what, American beauty that watched these movies. And those movies are because I didn't say this one at the top. Those movies are the matrix mm-hmm. fight club. Yes. Yep. Boondock saints. Yeah. And virgin suicides. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Very good point. So, you know, a, a movie about uh, a trans allegory became the battle cry for the red pill blue pill which is all we talk about today yeah the you know fight club couldn't even pass the bechdel test when it was talking to itself (laughs) (laughs) and it was about it was about the manosphere it was about being the manliest man you can man and fighting other men to be that that is How yeah. pointless that but, is. But uh, that's not I the way men a, watched it. I have a love-hate relationship with Fight Club because, I mean, it's like I like Fight Club. But at the same time, after I watch Fight Club, I feel like I need to atone for the fact yes. that I watch Fight Club. <laughs> that's all of so these movies. I love, it for what, I love Fight Club for what it actually is. Well, sure. Instead of what people have turned it into. I love it as a gay man seeing this machismo uh-huh. side of society and saying, what if I take that to its logical conclusion? <laughs> and Boondock Saints, a movie that I love more than life itself, a movie that is also wildly problematic with its misogyny. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it, I mean, th- yeah, the Boondock Saints is not a personality type. The only reason why I watch the Boondock Saints is because of Willem fucking Defoe being well, the most Willem Dafoe he's ever been uh, in his entire life in that movie. Again, but that it is a it is a it is a but his character is so pro- his character is so problematic but, though. Yeah, but he I really knew, is. But I knew so many men that watched it and started wearing pea coats and white t-shirts mm-hmm. and making <laughs> it their true. whole goddamn life. So did I. So did I. And I really think this and then so we had 19 we had 1999. We had Y2K. What happened right after that? 2001. What happened in 2001? Hold on, you forgot thing that formed my entire generation. It's like a little thing. We you for you forgot before we go on with 2001. You forgot a very important fact about cinema of 1999. Please, please do tell. Enlighten me. 
The World is Not Enough, which huh? in- which introduced us to Denise Richards as Dr. Christmas Jones. <laughs> That's true. Who 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 won the role after Tiffany Thiessen auditioned and was told no. We're going to give it to this woman who can fit a whole can of tuna in her mouth for this role (laughs) and gave us the most cringe worthy final innuendo in James Bond history when he says it's true. Christmas comes more than once. But Hmm. I do I do think 1999 with through a Rube Goldbergian series of events. Destroy, I, I think it destroyed because we had all these movies. We had Y2K. We had 9-11. We had the jingoifying of America in a way that hasn't been seen since World War II. And these are the movies that men were watching. That's true. And it mm-hmm. broke. And it, I and and I think we can draw a direct line to all of those things from these years and from these movies. And it's not the movie's fault. <laughs> Absolutely well, not, not. No. Well, for, well, fortunately, films in 2001 like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Monsters, Inc., and um, The Mummy Returns, which told us, hey, you thought you were bisexual before. Wait till you <laughs> see this. Um, you know, stuff like that that came up. But at the same time, it also gave us uh, some more problematic movies like The Royal Tenenbaums. Um uh, yeah, it gave us Moulin Rouge, which people have made their personality trait, which I applaud. That's true. I'm like, you know what? You want to make Moulin Rouge your personality trait as long as you're not the Duke? Go for it. Uh, but, yeah, there was a couple of movies I remember that came out in 2001 that made me go, you should not make that your personality trait also. So it's it's very interesting um, uh, how that happened. Uh, so on that super fun note, I uh, I got 1959. <laughs> uh but another incredible freaking year for movies. Uh, movies that came out in 1959. We've got North by Northwest. We've got Some Like It Hot. We've got Rio Bravo. We've got Pillow Talk. We've got Sleeping Beauty. We've got House on Haunted Hill. Uh, we've got The Diary of Anne Frank. Uh, we've got Gigi. Uh, this is so many movies that were huge for the time. Ben fucking her. Ben her. <laughs> Hardly know her. <laughs> what I love though is it's like I'm looking at the top grossing films of 1959, and I love how just the top five it cracks me up because because uh, the fifth highest grossing movie that year was Pillow Talk, followed by Some Like It Hot at number four, followed by Operation Petticoat at number three. Then we have The Shaggy Dog at number two. <laughs> hey, Shaggy Dog. hey, Disney. <laughs> That, I mean, they were they're in everything. And then really her at number one. But the thing that cracks me up the most about this whole list is because we got some gayness going on here with some like it hot and pillow talk. But then like the most. I hate myself for being gay movie ever made came out in 1959. And that was suddenly last summer. Which, if you've never seen this thing, you have to see it to believe it. You thought Tennessee Williams was wild with Boom. This was the movie where and the play. Where I still Tennessee... think he's wild for Boom. By the way, well, <laughs> you're, this, gonna, you're never going to convince me he's not. This this is another Tennessee Williams movie starring Elizabeth Taylor. Only this time she's brought in Montgomery Cliff and Catherine Hepburn into this thing, and this is where Tennessee Williams literally said, "I 
fucking hate being gay so much that I'm going to equate homosexuality with cannibalism. And literally, that's the plot. Literally, that's the plot. It's, and I can't believe that this movie was like one of the top ten grossing films of the year because I'm like, this film is so problematic. But at the same time, it's fun watching Elizabeth Taylor and Catherine Hepburn try to outact each other in this movie. Fair. Um, but even like, like I said, it's, it's the ninth year of every other decade is outrageous. I'm looking at, I just glanced at 2019. It's Uncut Gems. It's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's Parasite. It's Marriage Story. It's Knives Out. It's Midsummer. It's uh, Endgame. Uh, <laughs> there's Little Women. Uh, it's Joker. It goes on and on and on with these movies. So what's the uh, next one? Well, I will say I went back to 1949, and it's not quite there. Not with so strong. Yeah, because I mean you. It's every other decade that really nails it. Yeah. Because yeah, because there was some stuff going on in 49. So yeah, they had, had they were busy. <laughs> the number one movie in 1949 is Jolson Sings Again, Ooh, which, was a, mm, which was a sequel mm. to the Jolson story from 1946. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. However, when you go to 1939, you got Gone with the Wind, The Wizard of Oz. I told you. The arms, the wind, Every the 20 women. years. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. I mean, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I mean, you got some big stagecoach, which you know, made John Wayne a star. I mean, of so my next one is what, 39, 39 yeah. withering. Oh, man, Are we going to make it that long? <laughs> I don't know if the world will make it that long, but if it is, we're going to have a great year for movies. I hope um, so. We need something better out there. I mean, there's got to be other good films coming out this year, other than Lisa Frankenstein. I mean, come on. Yeah. Dune two. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for Dune Two. I I actually, I was joking, but then I thought about it. I was like, actually, I'm really excited for Dune. I can't wait. I uh, I didn't see the first Dune. I gotta get. I gotta get that popcorn bucket. Did you see either of the Dunes? Did you see? I'm Courtney, and I've never seen anything. I've never seen either of the Dunes. Okay, so I can basically (laughs) describe to you the the new Dune is you need to go into the movie with the same mindset. If you've ever seen Lawrence of Arabia, you have to have that same mindset. I did get Lawrence of Arabia vibes from the trailer. It is very Lawrence of Arabia. It's 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 going to long and slow and far slow journey, but it is a gorgeous journey along the way. I will say this. I'm upset that the new because I watched the old Dune. I watched Lynch's Dune like mm-hmm. like a month ago, and then I rewatched New Dune, and I'm really upset that New Dune doesn't have the weird. And I know that Courtney, you've never seen Old Dune or New Dune, right? Mm-hmm. Neither Dune, no Dune. <laughs> I'm um, Duneless, yeah. But so Duneless. so Roy, I'm very. I'm, after watching it, I'm very upset that New Dune doesn't have the weird voiceover. Yes. internal monologue i really wish it did he like that is something the spice melange <laughs> that's also, the only thing i know about dune at all i haven't read the book either books is there more than one book oh there's a lot of books oh, i a thought lot there was a lot, of, a lot of, books. of books i didn't know if it was one real big book I, what's interesting I mean, you could probably the, get a real big book. What's interesting about the old Dune is is seeing David Lynch, who, by the way, wanted to make his name Alan Smithy for this movie because he absolutely hated the final product. But it's interesting seeing him trying to cram the entire book into one movie with you know him being David Lynch. And 
you know, uh, the, the, with the new movie, him making sense, going, no, this needs to be two separate movies because this is such a long story. <laughs> well, also, so Paul Atreides has a daughter. Or a, I'm sorry, a, 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 sister, a sister, a younger sister, sister who I think well, is I, being played by Florence Pugh. I, the new I, that's who I'm thinking she's playing to get. They're really keeping it a secret as to who she is. I'm hoping that that's who her role is. And if so... I fucking can't wait to see her play that character. I'm sorry, we're in the fantasy universe of Dune, and the main character's name is Paul? Paul Atreides. Well, we haven't told you about Duncan Idaho yet. (laughs) (laughs) Paul's best friend. Have you listened to the the McElroys talk about it? (laughs) (laughs) Paul Atreides. In a world that has a guy named Gurney Halleck, played by uh, Patrick Stewart, you have Paul Atreides. By the way, played by Paul? played masterfully by uh, Kyle okay. McLaughlin. Because <laughs> David Lynch loves Kyle McLaughlin. The, the mayor of Portland. <laughs> <laughs> also, you you Sting. need to, you, you, have, you, you have fucking Sting also. Yeah, I was gonna say you need to watch it solely for Sting's performance. And here's the here's the thing also before we get because we we were talking we gotta talk about all that jazz at some point. Wait, at some point we do need to talk about all that jazz. We did one, not forget, dear audience, that we are here to talk about all that. But jazz. this just became Dunecast because Courtney hasn't seen a single Dune. One, one thing you need to know about this is with the Baron character, the the villain character, basically. Harpoon is that. The way he's portrayed in the new movie is the way he's portrayed in the book. But for some reason, in David Lynch's mind, when he had him portrayed, he decided to make him not only gay, not gay, but have AIDS. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. They had AIDS? I thought they were in, like, fantasy land. Well, they're supposed space to be, AIDs. like... They have space like, AIDS? It's like what was yeah. like eleven thousand something AD or something like that, yeah. like really into the future. And I'm like, oh, they, had, they haven't AIDS figured out still exists. Okay, yeah, they have, they have uh, like faster than light travel, but AIDS. It's like we can we can tr- we can travel faster by life thanks to the sp- the spice, but no, spice, there's no cure. Yeah. There's no cure for the AIDS. I okay. you ate the spice. We don't have time for this. Oh. I- <laughs> well, you eat the spice, you breathe the spice. The spice gives you power. See, there's yeah, frimen. I thought it was drugs. I thought the there's, spice was drugs. There's frimen, and the frimen wear suits that allow them to drink their own pee. That's what I'm saying. The the fr- that's the only other thing I know about Dune is they wear the suits, and people on the internet are mad because the suits don't look right from the books anymore. So the, that something? the frimen are the, are the oh, indigenous peoples of Arrakis, and they worship the sandworms. Yes. It is they really just, them? and they're very obviously Muslim. It's a, it's it's very much a, col- a a story about colonization and late stage capitalism, um, but also about wizards. And, Definitely uh, a very strong allegory. No, about, a very a, a very strong allegory about control over the oil lands in the Middle East. We're very definitely wizards. gonna have to come back around to this. We Maybe it's a special episode. Dune. You're going to have to watch Dune. It's on HBO Max. have to watch Dune. So you're going to have to watch Dune. Before we start, I will tell you what I think Dune is about. <laughs> and then we will watch Dune. And I'm then cur- I will you, see how close I am. Are we, are we watching? We have to watch old Dune. 
I'll, I'll do is, it. You know, I'll watch which is anything. the better I don't care. Oh, and <laughs> by, by the way, way, you also you also need to know, Courtney, that the entire soundtrack to get to the David Lynch Dune is done by Toto. Yeah, Maxwell, oh my God, Toto. Hmm, that's another yeah. day. It's for another day. It's for another day. <laughs> thing about Paul Toto. So Paul Atreides' magic sister. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I want to be able to tell you what I no. think Duke's about. Okay. Let's let's let's. Go I just to wanted to tell jazz. you who she was, but I would rather that be a surprise. Yeah. Frankly, yeah, you need to keep that a surprise. So Janice Atreides. So so, so the spice reminds Dorothy me of, Atreides. <laughs> So, so the spice reminds me all that jazz because he was addicted to Speaking drugs. Speaking of movies. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he was addicted to um, methamphetamines uh, in the film. It's so, showtime. It's oh, showtime. Man. Um, but. Uh, Do you think Beetlejuice stole that from all that jazz? I think he did because he's literally oh, doing it. Yeah. yeah. He does it like that exactly. I mean, he's not uh, the only person that's ever said it's showtime, though. No, but he did Wait, it, he like, said, with the eyes and the hands. Like, it's the same. Do you think... He does it with the jazz hands and everything, so he had to. Of Can I can I ask who wore it better? And I'm not talking about Sam Rockwell this time. Who wore it better? Was it Bob Fosse uh, when he came up with this? Or was it James Cameron when he came up with Terminator? Because the origin stories of these movies are very similar. <laughs> Weirdly. <laughs> Um, I can't speak to that, honestly. Um, speak to it. Coward. <laughs> Coward. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm, it's that, it's that third, it's the, it's the third show punchies. It's third yes. show punchies. <laughs> um, no, it's, I'm just so distracted because I was thinking of the opening scene and the chaos outside yeah. the audition room. Oh, so and how good. deeply relatable that is yes. as a person yes. who has been a performer. Uh, and we've all had experience. Yeah. yeah. We've all been in that room. We've all been mm-hmm. in these situations across the, the movie is very triggering and nostalgic for anyone who's ever been on stage. Yes. Yes. Or every you're trying aspect. to have a conversation with someone and someone behind you is using the wall right next to you to do to an obnoxiously yeah. big stretch. And you're like, you're not going to need to do that, honey. You're just doing that to try to like, I don't know. Yeah. Flex. I don't know. You, don't, what I'm doing. you don't need to read your lines against the snack machine. There are yeah. other places to read your lines. You do not have to scream in the space between my conversation. Right. In order to get prepared. <laughs> That's how we learn to do this show. Though. That is true. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, my favorite line in the movie is still the, what, do I have to fuck him to get cast? And she's like, no, honey, I do fuck him and I still don't get cast. <laughs> yes. I just, I, I, I want to point out, again, I, I pointed this out in the beginning of the episode. This was only Jessica Lange's second movie. Insane. God, she's so good. That's actually my third note is evolutions of my thoughts on the angel of death. (laughs) (laughs) That's your thesis. We both got that is my thesis thesis right there. Uh, And we can get to that later. But I have a question on what you guys think of the angel of death. Do you think that when he has those conversations with her, is that happening in his brain concurrent with what's happening in his life? Or is that. He lays down in bed. <coughs> Excuse me. No, I think it's happening at the same time because the way that um, his mind was, I mean, he was such a perfection. I mean, since he based it off of himself, was, you know, being such a perfectionist that um, 
he would this was going on in his brain while also trying to edit the Lenny Bruce that's not Lenny Bruce movie yeah. and put on this production, which is what he was doing at the time uh, with this and Cabaret. Right. So, yeah. Well, I didn't know because he's such a perfectionist, was he laying down at the end of his day and yeah. replaying everything that happened in his day through the lens of having these conversations with Jessica Lang. Now, a little. Uh, See, I think that's really interesting. A little interesting side note uh, about uh, the Jessica Lane character, uh, Angelique, which would just kind of. I could talk for days. I could talk for days about her. I could. Um, I found out that the character Angelique was based off of Bob Fosse's first wife, who's actually a very famous Broadway actress, Joan McCracken. Yep. Um, She didn't really do a lot of movies. I mean, her big movie was the film adaptation of Good News, but she, you know, did a lot of Broadway but they made Jessica Lang look like Joan McCracken. Uh, so basically, it's like the memory of hit the first of the first woman that he actually tried to have a relationship with is now coming to kill him, basically. Yeah. Well, and just all of those shots where he only sees her through reflections or through mm-hmm. a veil, and then she's at the end of a hallway and she finally raises the veil. Ah, oh, I loved every moment of it. So good. So my question then is. If we're going to assume he's having these conversations, you know, with himself. Yeah, concurrent to the actual beats of the story. And it's not it's not all deathbed. It's not all, you know, happening in the hospital. He's not reliving all these things and having these asides while he's doing it. Um, Does that mean he knew he was going to die? Even even as early as the beginning of this movie, we knew he was taking the meds. But did he know he was going to die? That's what I'm saying. Is this the he's been flirting with the angel of death since he was 15? Pretty much. I mean, because I love it. Yeah, because, I mean, even when he's, you know, thinking in his mind and his mom, who's cooking over the stove, is talking to Angelique while he's tap dancing on stage, you know, even makes a message that he's had his eye on you for eight for years since he was a baby basically since he was a baby so it's, it's like basically he was born and was ready to die already right but there's a difference between ready to die and know you're dying yes you know like flirting with it on purpose mm-hmm. yeah like at that point he is that is he's giving throughout this movie he's giving his deathbed confessionals he's coming to terms with the fact that he's going to die that he's going to give himself to angelique Mm-hmm. And like, what's interesting also is that is that the angel of death takes the form of his weakness, which is women. Right. Yeah. I really don't spend enough time wearing veils, you guys. You don't. Nobody does. You should start that. We got a live thing coming up. Veil That's it true. Up, I could veil it up. <laughs> veil it up, baby. Um, and can we take a moment to talk about the guy who was playing – do we call him Dustin Hoffman or do we call him Lenny Bruce? Whatever we're doing. Um, oh, that guy was question. crazy. It's a good question because it's like, I mean, it's How supposed he... to be the film version of Lenny, but it almost seems like that he actually made a concert. It seems more film, like a documentary, like a yeah. Uh, a stand-up yeah. of Lenny Bruce. Because even that when guy he, was great. Because yeah. even when he, he was in the hospital. Stuff? Not really. I looked into it. He's just kind oh. of. Yeah, he's not. He just like, kind of was he a stand-up? Was he a stage performer? Like I, I'm obsessed with stage, that guy. He was a stage guy. My God, he sounded just like him. Yeah, his yeah, degree, exactly. Yeah, like he studied yeah. that shit. I mean, Cliff Gorman. Re- I mean, the main thing that he is known for outside of all that jazz is the boys in the band. 
because um, he was not he was not only on the stage show of that in 1978. He was in he was the movie, right? As well, yeah. But yeah, he really the didn't first have one, not the much. yeah, yeah, the first movie. Um, but yeah, he really didn't do too too much film. He was he was more of a stage guy. He did television, but that's about it. Okay. That intensity like, in his eyes. Just, just great. His delivery was fantastic. Like I think he, he was supposed to be more Lenny Bruce than Dustin Hoffman. It seemed like it to me. Um, I think it was I think it was Bob Fosse going, if I could go back and recast it, I'd put this guy in it. Because mm-hmm. he was always kind of an asshole at the end of the day. Speaking yeah. of making people audition and casting, did you know he made Anne, made Anne Ranking Yes. Audition to play herself. Yeah. yeah. She had to audition to play herself. I was like, so good. good. God, that's typical Bob Fosse good right there. Good Lord. I mean, Why when Leland, the, worst? the scene where Leland Palmer, I wish Leland Palmer would have done more movies than she did because she nailed the uh, Gwen Vernon she character. Was really good. Oh, Harris. my God. But the oh scene. Was she, where, was, where was Leland Palmer for a Gilda Radner biopic? Yeah. Sure. But the scene where, you know, she's, you know, basically confronting Joe on all the women, especially that one in Philadelphia, Uh you know, and at the end when he's suddenly inspired for the take off with us musical number and she. God damn it. And she like just has that. You son of a bitch. Yeah. She has that breakdown. Like it could be your best work. You son of a bitch. She just nails it. I was just like. And. and, and, Rewatching this after watching the mm. miniseries Gwen Verdon, I looked at this in a whole new light, and I'm like, God, she nailed her. God, she nailed really her. Really did. God, he nailed him. Yeah. So I know it's a stagey thing, like like a stage performancey thing. I've had those those performances, but the 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 banter when when having because what I haven't seen a lot this banter when you're having conversations about heartbreaking shit that you just both accept that it's happening mm-hmm. was so good in this, oh, like so beyond good. anything I've ever seen. Like she continues to choreograph her dance while they're having that conversation. Yeah. Does not stop while she doesn't is just stop, laying into him. Yeah. Doesn't get upset, like not overtly upset. She's just, and he's helping her choreograph while they're having this conversation. Yeah. It's not oh, an bend argument. your hips like this, and she yeah. just keeps. God, it's so good. It's so good. And I'm sure their daughter grew up to be very well adjusted. Oh sure, uh, of course. Totally oh, I'm sure. With, yeah. with your mom and girlfriend great. around all the time together. I'm sure she's fine. By the way, uh, um, his real life daughter is in the movie. I found out mm-hmm. the. The scene when they're about ready to do take off with us and the girl that's doing the stretching at the vending machine and they say, can you go do that someplace else? That oh, was the vending the, machine girl is his daughter. Yeah, his daughter. She was 16 at the time. So cool. it, was like his, it was like his way of saying, you can't see the tits that are about ready to come out. Get the fuck out of this scene. Yeah. <laughs> God. Um, on that note, would you guys buy a ticket to Erotica? Yes. Oh, I would get this version of this version of cabaret and in, in the sky. Of course, I would. So what do you think this play is about? It's, it's I mean, cabaret it's so in the bizarre. air. It's air beret. It's, it's cabaret. cabaret. It's so weird because I got shades of cabaret. I got shades of, of Pippin because because with yeah. Pippin, there's a little Pippin that one number in Pippin. Yeah. Yeah, because with Pippin, I mean, because I, re, I remember when they were creating the show, they wanted it to be a family friendly show. 
And then all of a sudden, Bob Fosse's like, no, we're going to have this scene with the whores. And threw that in there. And that that this musical number reminded me of that so much, especially when he's like, oh, now Sinatra's never going to record this. And that was great. Yeah. And um, we should have done this movie when we did the, the month inspired by cocaine, though. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I also want to talk about Sandal Bergman, um, who had basically um, the the role of woman who takes off her bra during dance number with take off. Like that's well, she did great. And what kills me, she goes from this to fucking Conan, the barbarian. Yeah. I just, yep. so awesome. She has a certain she is, set of skills. She yeah. is statuesque. We'll say she that. She really is. Try to describe her without using the word but, statuesque. But that whole entire musical number, I mean, th- there's some great dancing in this film period. Really, I mean, this, truly I'm, very good. I mean, Anne Ranking reminds me why she's a goddess and everything, but this... I can't wait to do that dance with Dot someday. That stepmom-daughter dance on the it's stairs cute. and stuff. God, it's so cute. This, it's this, cute. This number by itself has inspired so much. I mean, like, I, I made a, a joke about it, inspired Paul Abdul. It did, because cold-hearted. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The sequence, and this sequence has went on to just inspire more and more people. And because it's just impeccably danced and then you've got the magical moment of smoke 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 smoke, smoke, smoke. (laughs) i do want to (sighs) say it speaks to bob fossey's ego that he completely rewrote this number and and the choreography in two hours and had it down to show worthy yes (laughs) perfect he's like i'm gonna disappear and i'm gonna okay we're ready for you yeah (laughs) i was like that's bob fossey's ego talking right there 100 while his ex-wife just sat and seeds. stared. Just seethed. Freaking dead while going, all the producers you... overlapped so aggressively. This is what you did to what I've been working on, and this is what you're going to force me to do in this show. Fuck you. God, the way she just deadpan deliver those lines, and everyone would just die laughing, and she was just staring inside yep. his soul. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. It made I also, me want to hate somebody I work with real bad. <laughs> I also want to talk about uh, Ben Vereen's character. Uh, character. I did find out Ben Vereen. Sammy yes, Davis Vereen? Yeah, he is definitely inspired by Sammy Davis Jr., I found out. Um, I, it's like, it's like I, I, I didn't realize until now, and I guess maybe it took the restoration from Criterion for me to notice. He did wear a choker necklace with the mm-hmm. Star of David on it. And I was just like, oh, that's not subtle. Not <laughs> so much, you know, no. You know. But, um, I mean, it's interesting that he surrounded himself with people that he's known for working for in this film. And, I mean, I, I, I hate jumping to the final number already this fast, but I this, the Ben Vereen in this sequence was outrageously. Just, like just, fantastic, beautiful, fantastic work, incredible work. I mean, he just was like, okay, I, there's some, yeah, there's some great choreography going on with the girls and and you know, Roy Scheider's doing great and everything, but I'm gonna fucking own this scene. Like, and this goes, is mine. This is mine, and goes on and does it, and just does it amazingly. Um, well, it, but in, um, in that same vein, 
every single person in this movie gives the best performance I have ever seen them do. In yes. A, they're all Even right. Like, John goddamn Lithgow. I was about to say, did y'all forget John Lithgow was in this? Because I forgot John Lithgow oh, was in was this. Good. I was like, oh, yeah. He's well, like a Hal Prince kind of a guy. To me, the biggest surprise was Max Wright. Because uh, oh, Max Wright as, did, gave an Oscar level. Alf's dad gave an Oscar level performance in this. The, that's why we were just shit, He's the like, shit this, this movie would have won in any other year. Yes, but no, it had to go to Kramer, fucking Kramer. Yeah, but the whole I, Annie Hall moment all over again. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. But. Yeah, I mean, just everything about this movie. I mean, even CCH Pounder, who had like... Oh, the, I forgot she was in this minuscule movie. role in this. I mean, the audacity that her character had of like, well, I just gave him the shot. It should be okay. Oh, by the oh, way, she, this is where you can send my check. I was like, she, fuck you. She does yeah. what CCH Pounder does in every role, which is be, absorb everything else that's happening. Suck in all light, and it just all becomes CCH Powder yes. for three minutes. For me, Truly. the most heartbreaking element of this movie is the daughter because I in while well, he's having she's a bad singer. Well, not, <laughs> not, not, not only that, but God just, damn it! But with everything, she was great in the movie. This is she was a, she was a really bad singer. I mean, with everything that was going on, you know, especially during that, especially during that final hallucination where he finally accepts, okay, I'm dead. I, th- I think the thing that he had the hardest time letting go of was his daughter and the scene where, you know, made her into a sexy vamp. <laughs> the scene where in this, in this scene, when he's, you know, finally saying goodbye to everybody and when he's hugging her daughter, when he's hugging his daughter and, you know, then we cut to Angelique looking and Angelique realizes, okay, he's finally let her go. I mean, I think out of all of the characters in this movie, she her his death is going to affect her the most. Um, when it comes to his ex, I mean, she might get hurt, but at the same time, she's, she's like she's already let him go. She's let him go. No. And the same with Anne Rankings' character, she's moved on already. She's just like, you know what? Fuck you. You're, you're gaslighting me. You're treating me this way. I'm moving on. But um, she, the daughter is going to be the one that's just going to have the hardest time dealing with this. And it shows in that one scene when he's embracing her and she just not only hugs him, but she wraps her legs around him also yeah. not to let him go. It was, it was heartbreaking. That was so heartbreaking. And then the very yeah. last line is, at least I, I at least I don't have to lie to you anymore. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that fucking sucked. And I don't know. Do you think she had it worse than getting that hearse out of there? I don't know how they got that hearse rough. in there. I don't know how they got the hearse in there either. I was thinking about the hearse a tell me, lot. Tell me how they got that hearse in there. How'd y'all get that hearse in there? That's some good uh, production. Yeah. Now, uh, I think the most relatable part of the movie is how we've all had that one dream where a lecture hall full of doctors talk to each other about what the fuck's wrong with you. Sure. Oh, Including yourself. <laughs> yes, exactly. You're also there and you're like, I don't know either, man. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> just strap in because I, I I choreographed your death. <laughs> what? Yes. And this the whole other, the yeah. psychopathy of directing an entire musical about how the much of a shit you are, yeah. directed by yourself in just the wettest hospital. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that. How was that hospital was so, was so wet? That hospital was so skeezy. It's like when he went down in the basement having his hallucination. I was like, why is there so much water? Why was that hospital so wet? <laughs> 
Doesn't seem sanitary. <laughs> what also killed me as well is is when the producers of the show are like going behind his back. Yeah. As John Lithgow's character yep. write the show. God, just so gross. And then, you know, not only does... Man, that one scene where the fan goes up to it. Yes. Oh, the scene. Oh, my God. I mean, that was... Your second favorite? Oh, that's so good. That was a master class in face acting right there, because you just saw... saw every thought. Everything in in his mind, like, oh, it it was like, it was like the nonverbal version of, you know, the Bela Lugosi scene in Ed Wood when... Compared to Boris Karloff, and he just fucking goes off on the fan. Except, except he internalized it, and the way he gave. I really it hope back, to be cast by you someday, and you see his eyes go, "Oh no, yeah. I'm never yeah, gonna never cast gonna you." Happen. Never. But I mean, not only you know going behind his back and rewriting the script, but then when they're talking with the producers of the show and the financers, and all of a sudden, you know, they go. You know, you would make more money off of this movie if he dies. Or you make yeah. more money off of the show if yeah. he dies. I'm just like, oh my god, they're betting Man. on his life. Okay. Um, speaking of this like whole last hallucination where it starts to get real nebulous, do you think that Lenny Bruce actually visited him in this story, or do you think that was also a hallucination That's because a he'd question. been editing so much? That's a good question. That is I'm a good thinking, question. I'm, 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 Cause I, he was like smoking in there and they were doing all kinds of shit well, that like a hospital wouldn't allow you to do. Sweetie, they would. <laughs> I, I don't think you, they would let you smoke in there. I, I, they yelled I, at him for smoking though. Like well, him sure. specifically, not just generally in a hospital, but just like that man specifically. I think it was a hallucination, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I you think it's see, what would Lenny Bruce be saying about me right now? Like, that's there's thing. a lot of Shutter Island going on. In right. This. Like, at what point is it real? Like, what? at what point do the hallucinations take over? How long has this been going on? At what point is it, you know, is, you know, like, what outside of the hospital actually happens? You know, like. Yes. Like yeah. all of that is is completely up for interpretation. Like when did those like did any of the stuff where he's in the hospital and they're all coming to visit and he's having little hospital parties? Did any of that happen? Did any of that happen? I'm, I actually I'm found out that did actually happen because I did find out that did happen because he actually did that in real life when he was in the hospital with his heart attack. He did throw parties like that and it pissed the hospital off. <laughs> um, and he would like the, like the scene where he's flirting with the nurse who's giving him the massage. That actually happened too. It's like he was that you know, I absolutely buy. <laughs> yeah. So, there's so much of his actual life and what he went through with his heart attack put into this film. It's just unbelievable. And I mean, watching this film for me post heart attack was very cathartic. And in fact, I had a couple of friends who messaged me. He's like, are you sure you're going to watch this movie after what's happened to you? And I'm like, I fucking love this movie. Yes, I'm going to watch this movie again. Like if anything more so. Yeah. I mean, I will say when they're showing the operation, that was uncomfortable for me because I was like, oh, God, that happened to me. Um, Yeah, I could. That was I, I had a hard time with that. Just being me. But, like watching, watching a, I can't watch the surgery. Yeah, the can't surgery scene. Like it, yeah. The surgery scene was hard to watch, especially after going through it. But well, it's it was still, so. It was also really jarring in, um, like the context of the rest of the film because right. you don't. There was a lot of moments like that. 
where it's just like this shouldn't be here like not this this movie this doesn't belong in this movie this isn't like open heart surgery is it shouldn't be in a movie where they're choreographing erotica like like, what is happening it's so silly so much of it is so silly the best example of this is the way the movie ends i mean we have that yes that sharp ending we have that incredible musical number at the end and you know after he says goodbye to everybody and then he's slowly going forward to angelique and we see him on his face not only his face goes from happiness relief to fear to acceptance all at once while the singing's happening and suddenly bam there he is in a body bag dead silence and then suddenly we get assaulted by ethel merman it's such a jarring way to end this movie but honestly i I can't think of any other way to end this movie with the way that it was with instead of it just slapping you in the face like that yeah well and my thing about that is like you would expect you would you would expect a um like a like curtain you would expect curtains you'd expect fanfare that's or what like he a was about moment or something like that where yeah. he's exactly. out there by himself talking right to the camera. Yeah. And you don't get that. You Mm-mm. get just done. Yep. He's dead. Let's so move on. Sharp. Hey, what's it like to sing a song about how you're going to die to the director? Who's also the guy you're playing. Just <laughs> 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 what was it like in Roy Scheider's head? Was he just like, so when you sing this thing, so like I'm dying, I'm like dying. And what I want you to do is just really play that I'm dying. So do that. Show me my death. Go. Right. This movie. Just <laughs> but not me. Show me, but you, me. Yeah. I want, but also I show want me. to see my death through you. This, this movie <laughs> made me want to revisit Roy Scheider's filmography. I mean, I've always loved Will, Roy Scheider. I mean, not only with Jaws, but, you know, Sorcerer, which is an amazing movie, and he does an amazing job of that. Even fucking, that even fucking Blue Thunder. Uh, you guys are going to be shocked by this. Wow. Well, I've never seen either of those movies. I've seen Jaws. I can understand Sorcerer because it's kind of an obscure movie. I, it, oh, it, I was joking. Well. I've never seen anything. I'm Courtney. It's my catchphrase now. <laughs> unless, unless you lived in my house with my dad, you probably did not see Blue Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is Knight Rider, but a helicopter that lives in a mountain. Yeah, that's what it is. And it has right. Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> All right. If that doesn't but, sell you on a movie, I don't know what does. Well, here, here's the thing. Blue Thunder inspired the television series Airwolf, if that tells you anything. With, uh, okay. with John Michael Vincent. With Jan, Jan Michael Vincent. Jan yeah, Michael Vincent. Yep. But Show yeah, favorite. I, I mean, Roy. I mean, Roy Scheider really shows how versatile he is in this movie. I he mean, was remarkable. Inside yeah. you, there are two wolves, and one of them is Bob Fosse directing you, and the other is Roy Scheider playing Bob Fosse. Mm-hmm. And what also killed me is is <laughs> my is, thoughts on the movie. <laughs> what also killed me with this movie, uh, with all that jazz, is during those hallucination sequences. When he is directing the movie, this movie was released by 20th Century Fox. Yet, if you look at the director slates, it says Columbia Pictures. Huh. Which why? just really threw me off. I was just like, why does it say Columbia Pictures? If you you know, go full meta with it and have it say 20th Century Fox. I mean, I never noticed that on the slates that it was a different studio than the studio that released the movie. 
Yeah, I don't know. By the way, I'm actually surprised that this movie's available streaming any place because it is 20th Century Fox, and we know how Disney is with 20th Century Fox films right now. Yeah, uh, that's so true. If you if you guys want to see this movie that are listening, it's on Tubi. It's available for free. Which is so weird. This it's movie such a weird place for this movie to live. Uh, it is, really. This is a movie you would expect on a premium streaming network. I mean, it's yeah, part it of the criteria. Yeah, premium like that again. <laughs> Premium. One of these things is not like the others. One of these things is not like the others. Because it's like you're looking at films like Titanic 666 and all Which the Amity. Fantastic film, we know that. All the Amityville movies, and then suddenly so all good. that jazz. You know, it's just it does not belong there at all. But I'm glad it's there because people need to see this movie. It's it's powerful. If you're a fan of if you're a fan of Broadway musicals, it's required viewing. It really. If you're is. a fan of good film. <laughs> Right. Yeah, if you're a fan of good cinema, you need to see this movie. Like it is, it is worth your time for sure to to watch this film. Like I, I this movie absolutely is in my top. It, it, it's in the top five movies we've ever watched, and it's in the top ten movies. And I forgot how good it was. Like I mean, I, when I came up with the idea of the unconventional musical, I I didn't even think about this movie. Like I said, my original uh, thought was the pirate movie when we were going to do this because of how that is, but pirate movie streaming nowhere. But, you know, when I settled upon cats, which we're going to be doing next month in April instead, surprise, surprise. (laughs) It's like, we were going to do cats, but then I was on Tubi. And when I saw all that jazz was available, I was like, you know, you can't get more unconventional musical than all that jazz because it's such an unconventional musical. It's a movie that honestly could have been made without the musical numbers and still be as emotionally powerful. But at the same time, it is a musical dealing with death in just a abstract way that it works on so many levels. God, it's really something super interesting. And I've I've seen it a couple of times. This is the first movie that I was like, oh, I'm actually very familiar with this movie when you brought it up. Uh, because it's one of Craig's favorite movies. Friend of the show and my spouse, Craig. Hi, Craig. Um, By the <laughs> way. He, I, yes. Before we, before we finish, I don't know if you can do it for him, but I do want to know Craig's criteria for a musical. I, I, I can go get him. <laughs> I'll give you a second. <laughs> Oh, hey, we're going to have Craig on the show. Should we now call him producer Craig? Yeah, he's producer Craig, for sure. So we have producer and Chris. And he's a producer. producer Craig. Yes. Yeah. Because they allow us to do this. They are yes. the producers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad I chose this one now because I was just like, you know. It, well, I'm glad you did. What, we I'm glad needed, we, we need ab- Torbay, basically. Well, I am absolutely glad that we all chose exactly what we did. This mm-hmm. is the first time I've been like, every one of these movies is certified gold. Like All, all three movies these month were bangers. They really yes. were. Yeah, they all deserved to be. Are we getting highbrow? When did that happen? We need to change. Uh, no, we need we're to not going to get highbrow. With what we got planned next month, no, we're not highbrow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, we we have friend of the show, Craig, here, real quick. Producer Craig. Hello, friends. Hello, Hello producer Craig. Craig. <laughs> so we have a question for you. Ask it, Andy. Oh, uh, so Courtney um, g- 
gave kind of a nod to that you have some rules for for a musical. Okay. We are wondering yes. what your rules are. Okay. Now I am not the god of musicals, so <laughs> this is not. These are just Craig's rules. Well, that's so, what we want. Yeah, we want. Craig's oh, so, are you saying this is Craig's list? This yeah, is indeed. I'm. I'm going yeah. to uh, sell a lot of sketchy exercise bikes. Can to I you get right a now. mattress from you? <laughs> Alrighty. So, for me, for it to be a musical, the singing has to be a substitute for dialogue. That is what I think. So, I think. Uh, okay. For example, Velvet Goldmine doesn't seem like a musical to me because it is all live performance. Um, that thing you do, not a musical because it's all live performance. It's it's in character as a performance. For me, it has to be a substitute for dialogue. Okay. Okay. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. You know, no one has ever told me I make a lot of sense and they like it. Same more thing. <laughs> Hey, I'm here for you, man. I'm here for you. That does make a lot. No, because when you think about it, that has to be part of what constitutes. I will say this, and and I will I will play uh, mediator Mm -hmm. in a conventional musical. I would say that is absolutely something that constitutes a musical. Yes, I, I I like that rule a lot. So that being said, conventional unconventional. Musical, Craig, where what do you put into that category? Do well, is all that jazz a musical then? Um, I would say it is not a conventional musical. I would say it is as unconventional as the film of Cabaret, which also doesn't Ooh. have singing mm. in character as a substitute for dialogue. It is all in the guise of performance. Wow. Nice, right? So that's what's interesting. Nice. Yes. Because, like, there's, I'm sorry. So, in Cabaret, for example, they are performing, but the things that they are singing are also substitution for dialogue that they can't say. Correct. Well, and. It's fascinating. It's interesting. Where do you yeah, land on. Right uh, where do you land on Chicago, where in the stage musical. It is a substitute for dialogue, but in the film, it is dream it's sequence performances. Yeah. See, now we're yeah, I like this. I now we're cooking with gas, aren't we? Yeah, we are. You challenge me, Craig. You always have. And now wow. I'm very curious to see after we take our break to get food and come back. I'm very curious to see where he thinks the apple lands. Have you seen the apple, Craig? I don't know what that is. Okay. Ah, yes. This is good. This is good. Oh, he's going in a virgin. I love it. Okay. I will I will say, I think this is the only film that we've done for the show where our respective producers, being being our spouses, uh-huh, have liked it more than we have. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Chris is upset. Chris is yeah. and Lacey. This Lacey will not stop talking about this film. I knew Chris will Lacey not stop was into it because I know you had like she has notes. Oh, she has about about the apple so many and talks mm. about it constantly. And Chris like, is in, constantly quoting this movie. Yeah, apropos. We're gonna have nothing. to do a flip the script episode where the three of us are not involved. <laughs> and it's I Chris like. And Lacey I very and much Craig. like that idea. 
<laughs> Talking about the apple. <laughs> we might. Craig, thank you. Thank that you. Is, I hey, appreciate it. April Fool's Day. <laughs> oh, God. You guys, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to. We, we might, might have, have to. to. All right, thank you, my so, friends. Hey, thank I you. am going to. I I will never not think about that when I watch a musical from now on. Period. Like that is that is a that has wormed its way into my brain now. It lives there. I <laughs> guess that you. is guess very interesting. Like, like God. I guess. That's Isn't that cool? See, my husband's I guess, cool. I guess that's the only reason. That's the reason why Chris only likes like musicals, kind of like in the style of like Rodgers and Hammerstein and stuff, because he wants the musical number to actually drive the plot. Uh, well, yeah. then again, he's not really too big of a fan of modern musicals like I am, too, but it's interesting. Craig so. just became my Jessica Lang. He's my <laughs> angel of death. He's going to live in my brain. I'm going to talk to him at night. So before we announce what we're doing for the month of April, uh, just to kind of give a reference of uh, what we mentioned here, we found out Courtney had never saw uh, one of our favorite film experiences on this show, The Apple. If you've not heard the episode, go listen to it because, God, we just were like – it's, we, we're, we're convinced we were slipped LSD while watching the film. Um, and we're actually, we don't know what we're more excited to hear. Courtney's response to this movie or Craig's, especially since he knows nothing about this film. Well, whatsoever. That, after that revelation. I think I, it's I Craig. I'm really interested <laughs> because it is a wild experience. And I want to know how Courtney deals with this wild of an experience. Yeah, it's, it's wild and wild is not even the correct word. I mean, it's just, I don't think there is, there's no way to, there's no way to prepare for the apple. No. Um, speaking of unprepared. Courtney. <laughs> so, oh for, my God. So for the month of March, since it's going to be, you know, since I'm, I'm not going to be in town for half of the month. So we've got to like do a truncated thing. So we're not only doing the <laughs> Zubenstein awards on video, <laughs> Um, I'm so sorry. We also decided. Don't be. It's great. We also decided because we really want. I really want to hear your reactions to the Cats movie, especially since the two of you have never seen it and it's still on Netflix. God knows how long it'll be on there for. So I, I do want to <laughs> do Cats so I can get your opinions on it, um, especially if you're familiar with the Broadway show, because I will let you know that the movie and the Broadway show are the same yet different. So I'm really curious to hear your well, response. Well, I, I imagine the plot is essentially the same, and when oh. my students ask me what the plot of Cats is, I say, well, the curtain opens, and they say, we're cats, and here's this cat, and they're like this, and here's this cat, and they're like this, and here's this cat, and they're like this, and one of them's going to die. Which one? This movie <laughs> actually hand-fists a plot into all oh, of Oh, gross. Yes. Yeah, I'm talking Roy, about. Hey, Roy. <laughs> yeah? When we're talking about cats, do not say ham fist. I don't want. <laughs> oh yeah, unless we get to see buttholes. Yeah, there's yeah. no but. Yeah, this is not the butthole cut, unfortunately. However, I want to see it now. Miss Courtney decided <laughs> that she was going to pick a movie for us to watch, and she said, "Well, I can't find this streaming anywhere, so I'm going to have to buy I'm, you." By the copies. way, shocked that it's not streaming. <laughs> so so she bought myself. So she bought a no, physical to my, copy. To my knowledge and research, um, there is no Blu-ray release of this. No, this never made the jump There's no restoration whatsoever. All Just, I could find were DVDs. Uh, and so I, I dug around on the internet to find two DVDs that I could send. 
not from the same source. They had to be from different sources. <laughs> so at Disney is never. There's the hint right there. It's from Disney. Disney's never. Probably going, not. No. You know, this 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 thing is probably sitting next to Song of the South in the vault right now. Which is not fair. <laughs> so Courtney has lots of childhood memories of this movie so we understand you know the the rose tinted glass of nostalgia however imagine my expression which i took a photo of and sent to you guys yeah you did (laughs) when i opened up the package to realize that the movie courtney chose for us to watch for the month of march is fucking theodore rex or rex which i'm proud which honestly is fitting for the it's honestly fitting for this show because there's such a story behind the making of this movie that I'm surprised there's not been a documentary made about this because it is a good lesson, Hollywood lesson, Hollywood backstage story of why the idea of a verbal agreement is a bad thing. Um, and we'll, well get we're into gonna that get our 4K release that. of it now, so they'll probably have a director. <laughs> yeah, there now it's here. getting a 4K. It's gonna drop on Disney Plus in June, just in time for it's Pride done. Month. You're it's welcome. Been made. They were waiting for the writer strike to be over. Now it's over. Uh, it's done. However, they're trying to get will, into a series. I will say that a movie that Sim will lose in it. That Disney is sitting on in their vault that they need to get their asses off of it and release it is Rockin Man with Harlan Williams. Uh, we need that magic. Oh back. man, that thing! I'm sorry. Did you just say rocket? I, I blacked out for a second, and now I'm back. I was I was in Blockbuster Video looking between that and a, co- a copy of Boy in a Bubble, and uh, yes, Rocket Man with Harlan Williams. Yes. Ooh, but, I'm sitting in a chair, and I still had to put my hands on my knees and take a deep breath. Now, but, when I opened this film, I just shook my head and said, "Damn it, Courtney!" and um went back to work because I had to deal with the knowledge that that was in my house for another four hours. Um, and then, and then Lacey came in at some point I was working and then she came in at some point and saw it. Cause I just left it out, you know, like, like, you know, I had forgotten an illicit porn stash or something. And um, just, I heard a scream like a, like a loud yell from the other room. And I'm in a, I'm in an office yell, why is there a copy of Theodore Rex in this house? <laughs> oh no, I've gone against her core belief system. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just think, I think that movie elicits, it's a Rorschach's test of, it elicits a, 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 a visceral reaction from whoever sees it. Well, what's going to, like I said, there is a, there, this, like I said, I'm really surprised that I'm not, being silly i'm really surprised they've not made a documentary about this movie because there's such a lengthy story to get into when we do this movie on the show uh of why it exists when it should not exist at all but it does um so thank you courtney uh (laughs) i'm actually really excited to see it to be completely honest it has been a really long time yeah, I haven't seen point it where, since I was a kid. Maybe fifth grade since I saw this movie. To the I've point always, where I blocked it out of my memory completely, didn't realize it was a movie until I opened that package. And I'm like, oh my, oh. I man. opened the wormhole back up. I've you only did. seen it once, and that was on TNT, because that's that where it was dropped. That honestly checks out. They, that they was know where drama. the movie was dropped. It wasn't dropped in the theaters. They didn't release it theatrically. 
They debuted it on TNT, then released it on home video. I have no idea how I ended up with this movie. I don't know if I saw it on TNT and became obsessed with it. A VHS of it exists in my mom's house. That well, is all I, I know, and I know that it is mostly destroyed because I watched it so much. Well, there are those movies when you're a kid that you enjoy so much, but then you grow up and rewatch it, and you're like, what the fuck is this shit? Case in point, Dot in the Kangaroo. And I, when I was a kid, I watched Dot in the Kangaroo, and I was just, I was obsessed with it. And then we revisited on this show, and I'm like, this is one of the worst fucking things I've ever seen in my life. Is it going to turn out Theodore Rex is real morbid? <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be it's, interesting it's, to see it's no it, it's batteries not included morbid <laughs> I mean, it, is, it is about a murder i will say that <laughs> it's we're back a dinosaur story morbid i also loved that movie <laughs> so does this mean that i get to pick three Whoopi goldberg movies at this point that everybody needs to watch we're gonna watch karina karina we're gonna watch the associate we're gonna watch every two we're gonna watch every two-hander she did with sam elliott with bill crystal with gregory hines we're all we're going in baby thief we'll be goldberg coming july we're we're gonna watch we're gonna watch fatal beauty yep and burglar and then we're gonna watch the associate that's what we're going to do in oh, Pelican Brief, because I want to watch Pelican Brief. <laughs> uh, Andy's uh, in control. Come on, July 4th. <laughs> it's, our, it's let freedom ring. Whoopi Goldberg, Mom. <laughs> All right, gang. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, 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 always, the third episode each month is the double length episode. And that's the case yes. of this so tune by in either next- on purpose or by accident because we're so punchy. <laughs> so tune in next month when we will do Theodore Rex and Cats. Uh, I guess we have an accidental theme, and that accidental theme is uh, anthropomorphic gone wrong. Uh, You're horribly right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not with cats. No, no, not with cats. I'm going to ham fist some cats. <laughs> That's after what you call you see, a group of cats. You didn't after, know that? After, you see, after you see naked cat Idris Elba, you're going to re, you're going to say, oh no, no, mm. no. So Can yeah. I imagine the bulge? I know it's not there. <laughs> I know they CG'd it out. Oh yeah, they totally CG'd out uh Jason Derulo's bulge. And I'm actually I have to applaud Jason Derulo for the movie because it was the first time he ever did any singing and didn't mention his name. It had oh, to be hard for him. I assumed he did. No, no. There Assumed was no... he was like, and this is my cat name, Jason Rulo. <laughs> no, I have to applaud him. It was a lot of self restraint in that. Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder how, yeah. how, I wonder if he had to have like a dialect coach for that. Well, it was. Yeah, they really instead. had to bring a coach in. It was uh, replaced wow, how long instead. Is episode at two hours, three. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's it was replaced by images of Taylor Swift doing tit shimmies as a cat. So is that, is that her cat name? Shimming her hips. Huh? Cats, their nipples are in different places. Oh no, her tits are like this is like Fritz oh. the cat level mm. of, of I, cat anatomy. So I'm gonna Don't go on that. believing that her cat name is Tit Shimmies. Um, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. These cat names are almost as good as Carnival Row names, um, yeah. which oh, is a game I'll share with you. Carnival yeah. Row name. Oh my yeah. god, I'll, I'll share that with you at some point. We can do that. We can do that for an entire episode. Yeah, that oh, yeah. will be an entire episode of the show. Uh, maybe I'll make us watch a couple episodes of Carnival Row. <laughs> yes. 
then we can talk for 45 minutes about our different carnival row names. Yeah, I've got mine. Mine's locked in. I've had it embroidered on shit. So I love it. No, mine also. Yeah, no, mine's mine's in there for yeah. sure. Let's not do, let's not do this anymore. We've done this too long. We did it for too long. <laughs> All right, gang. See you next month when we are back with cats, Theodore Rex, and don't forget to watch the Zubensteins, which is coming very soon. Everybody, so. get your big bag of Skittles. Heck yes, I'm, I'm ready. Yes, titanium dioxide is going to invade our bodies. Yes. In, in different ways than you think. Oh Jesus! Listen, this came out so good for me. Uh, my package of Skittles points to the green ones and says, it's lime. Because that's one of the worst things that ever happened to me is when they turned it to green apple. So, yeah. so, so it's a win-win. I I'm, will I'm tell excited you this. about it. After, after the challenge, you will be able to eat the Skittles still. Yes. Okay. So they're not going in our butt. Good. Okay. I mean, you will still be Listen. able to eat the Skittles still, Roy. <laughs> You could still eat that Skittle. Oh, so ba- oh, so you could also still eat them. So basically, we're going to do like what they did on South Park. We're going to shove them up our butt and poop them out our mouth. We Boy, I forgot that happened. If on you South can Park do that as a now. challenge, that is way more impressive <laughs> than what I have planned. I think I'd rather do Andy's thing if it's cool with y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just I uh, just want to physically prepare everybody for the Rubensteins, or I guess the Zubensteins at this point. The newly christened Zubensteins. Yeah, I want to prepare everybody physically for them. So I've got a challenge. So. Okay. I can't wait. All right, gang. We will talk to you all later. I'm pretty sure when we do the Zubensteins, we're going to discuss Courtney and Craig's reaction to the the apple as well. Hell so. yeah. All right, gang. Talk to y'all later. Bye.